You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. If if, if your blood runs orange and blue, 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 this this is the pod for you. you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Could this be the end of Obi-Wan in New York? Welcome to Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, Odyssey, WFAN. Original, I am EJ Stewart, joined by Tommy Beer. A big, big end to the week. We got a lot to talk about on this episode. It is post-draft time, so we will talk about what ended up being pretty much a nothing burger for the Knicks when it came to the NBA draft. They came in without a draft pick, didn't uh, acquire a draft pick, and did not draft any players in this upcoming draft. So I asked Tommy if he was disappointed about uh, the Knicks showing in this draft. We'll also talk about some of the other headlines coming out of this draft. There were some trades that happened. A big one happened prior to the draft with Chris Paul, a player that had been linked to the Knicks, being sent over to the Golden State Warriors. So I'll talk to Tommy about that. Chris Asporzingis, the day before, traded to the Celtics. So interesting moves there. So we'll talk about that stuff post-draft. We also got a lot of different stuff moving around with the Knicks in terms of some of these uh, pieces that could be in play this offseason. So one that I have been talking about for a while, Paul George. Apparently the Knicks did express some interest in Paul George. I'll give you the latest on that. Zach Levine, a player that's been linked to the Knicks as well, perhaps doesn't want to be a New York Knick. Interesting stuff from uh, Stefan Bondi, so we'll talk about that. And could the Knicks add yet another Villanova Wildcat? So all that plus the latest on Obi Toppin, who, again, appears to be frustrated with his role with the Knicks and could be working on his way out of New York. So a lot to get to. My guy Tommy is be- Tommy Beer is here. Tommy, what's happening, dude? How you feeling? Good, EJ. Uh, we got the draft. We got some free agency on the horizon. Um, uh, not a lot of Nick stuff related to the draft, but uh, we'll kind of get some big picture views. I'll ask to ask EJ about his uh, his uh, maybe some some teams he liked, some teams he didn't mm-hmm. like. Um, we'll discuss all that. But let's start with uh, the latest: a little Obi Toppin, little Zach Levine, little uh, little uh, Paul George potentially. Let's uh, let's talk some Nick stuff. Let's do it. So, again, this is Orange Blue Bloods New York Knicks podcast. You can get this wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time we drop. Also, make sure you give us a a rating and review on your streaming service. Also, make sure you check us out on YouTube as well. You can find us on the Odyssey Sports and the WFAN channel there. So, Obi Toppin's days in New York appear to be numbered earlier in the week. Uh, the Athletics' Fred Katz reported on Toppin's frustration with his role that culminated in a verbal altercation with Tom Thibodeau after the Knicks' Game 4 loss to Miami, an altercation that may or may not have been leaked 
on Twitter. I don't know if you saw that, Tommy, but there was, uh, I don't know if it was some AI-generated stuff, <laughs> but there was some kind of audio put out there that sounded like Obi Toppin yelling at Tom Thibodeau. But needless to say, apparently this is an allocation that did happen, and Katz is reporting on that. Um, and, and Obi was frustrated after that game four loss about his lack of playing time. Now, SNY's Ian Bailey says the Knicks could not, uh, Knicks can't, if they cannot find uh, more minutes for Toppin uh, and a bigger role, that the team could work with the 25 year old forward to find a new home and a trade partner this summer. So, Toppin averaged 7.4 points a game on 44.6% shooting, along with uh, 2.8 rebounds in his 15.7 minutes this season. He was drafted eighth overall. In the 2020 NBA draft, uh, he is extension eligible this summer. So, uh, Tommy, at this point, a lot of smoke regarding Obi's unhappiness with his role in New York. What is the likelihood, in your opinion, that he is back with the team next season? Yeah, I am not uh, of the belief that it's that it's a foregone conclusion that Obi Toppin has played his last game with the Knicks. Mm. So I think there's a lot there, uh, obviously a lot unsettled. I certainly wouldn't be shocked if he's traded, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he's not. Um, let's keep in mind, the Knicks don't have – the Knicks have two power forwards. They have plenty of guards. Yeah. They have plenty of wings. They have three centers. But the Knicks only have two power forwards in the lineup. If you check basketball reference, uh, you know, kind of their play-by – position estimation um you know julius played 96 percent of his minutes at power forward obi played 100 percent of his minutes at power forward the next player with, with in terms of percentage of their minutes played at power forward was Svi mikhailuk <laughs> um, <laughs> which for some reason it was garbage time minutes uh you know yeah. but you know obviously you know jericho sims played 17 minutes um the only player i really see as 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 absorbing those minutes if they were to trade Obi Toppin and not bring back a, a player to replace him, a power forward, and not sign him on a free agent, which is certainly a, a possibility, um, you know, it certainly wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility to go that direction. As a matter of fact, they almost likely would go that direction. But are they going to get a player better than Obi Toppin? Remember, um, he 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 plays well in limited minutes. We've seen his production. He's handled that role. He may not like it, but he's but he's been a good soldier. Hasn't uh, caused waves mm -hmm. at least at least publicly. Um, when Julius has gone out, the few times he's missed games, the end of the 2021-22 season, Obi played really well. When when Randall missed the end of the this past season, 22-23, Obi played really well. So you have that kind of insurance policy behind Randall. Um, at some point, you figure the Knicks are going to want to scale down his minutes a little bit, maybe give him, you know, the second night of a back-to-back -back off, something along those lines that's more in line with other old NBA players. Um, right. Having a guy like Obi there, and you know that that Tibbs values regular season games. You know, he doesn't play, you know, he's, the, the Knicks are not one of those teams that can afford, as we've talked about, cannot take nights off completely, you know, cannot just kind of, coast into the the, the postseason uh this coming off a, a you know a, an impressive five seed performance the prior season there's no guarantees that the knicks are are back in the playoffs top seven seeds or in the, even in the playing tournament you know mm -hmm. assume the bulls get better you assume the hornets get better and we'll talk all about all that stuff the raptors the hawks a lot of a lot of uncertainty there of course um so I, that's my thinking. The Knicks aren't going to get rid of Obi Toppin just because he would like to play more minutes. You know, um, if the right situation yeah. came along and a team offered them, you know, relatively fair market value, even 85%, 75% of what they thought Toppin was worth. Sure, they'd make a deal if it helped the team, but they're not going to do um, Obi a favor. And obviously the other reason to be 
optimistic if you're an Obi fan and want him to return um, is the the Knicks signing uh, his brother, Jacob Toppin, out of Kentucky to a two-way contract um, after the draft. Um, I think that kind of put a, uh, you know, a, a quell, quell the rumors that there's this big animosity and this beef and these Tibbs and, 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 and Obi can't get along. One quick thing on the, on the leaked audio. Um, it, my guess is any, that sounded like it was audio. You know, a lot of times if you're a reporter waiting outside the locker room after the game ends, you know, yeah. it's like 10 or 15 minutes, they don't let you in. They have to wait until um, PR gives you the, you know, so if you, you know, leave your voice recorder on, you can hear that stuff or, you know, fan or whatever, whatever the case might be. Um, that being, said um if you've ever played on any sports team there's been stars players bottom of the bench yeah they argue with their coaches they argue with the assistant coaches yeah. they argue with the training staff um the best players do it the worst players do it the in-between guys do it um and then they come to practice the next day hug it out and, and go on about their way so i wouldn't make too big of a deal over the uh the audio so i think i i agree that that this notion that ob definitely won't be on team next year i don't necessarily buy that I think this draft that came was going to be maybe the best opportunity for OB to be yep. traded, which I think is actually why you heard so much noise yep. up to the draft. Because as you mentioned, like the Knicks have to have a suitable replacement if yep. OB Toppin is traded. I mean, OB Toppin is a viable piece on the team. He may mm -hmm. only play 15 minutes, but he gives you seven, eight points a game. Um, when Randall's hurt, he can you know, average 20 points a game as a starter. It's funny. Um, Shout out to WFN's Evan Roberts. He came in the studio yesterday, a couple days ago, when I was there. And he was like, I couldn't believe this because I, I was looking at Obi Toppin as a potential net. And I looked at the games that Toppin played at least 30 minutes. His numbers, he's averaging 25 points a game on 54% shooting and 40% from three. Like, Toppin can play, clearly. So just saying, oh, we just give him away this summer for a future first-round pick doesn't make any sense for the Knicks, especially if we're hearing these rumors that Dante DiVincenzo, who we'll get to in a second, is a guy that they may be targeting with their mid-level exception. So if the replacement for Obi Toppin is not coming in season, or or at least coming up to this season, and you're coming into the next season, like you mentioned, with Julius Randle as your only power forward, that doesn't quite add up. I mean, unless Jericho Sims gets a three-point shot over the summer, I don't think you can just, you know, the, the way Tibbs is using the power forward in this offense, I don't think that you can throw Jericho Simmons there, all right, yeah, you're the backup power forward. So uh, I think his camp really tried to maybe force the Knicks' hand a little bit here, which is interesting because his camp is uh, uh, Leon Rose's son. <laughs> so so that's a weird thing. But, I mean, I guess, you know, uh, Leon Rose's son got to do what's best for his client, of course. But <laughs> that's even that's a whole weird thing. There's yes. a lot of family stuff going on. We got Jacob yeah. Talvin getting signed. We got the son of Leon Rose, the agent for, uh, for what's the name, like, I'm like, this is all kind of confusing to figure out. But at the end of the day, um, I think it's probably still more likely than not that Obi Toppin is a Nick. What it What is interesting, I think, in the Bagley reporting is the commentary that, well, they could find a way to make this better if somehow he finds a bigger role in more minutes. I'm like, well, what does that mean? I mean, Julius Randle's coming off an all-NBA third-team season. I... You, like I said, unless you're talking about, like you said, maybe scaling his minutes back a little bit and not playing as many back-to-backs, maybe. But I don't know. He's in the prime of his career. I don't see Julius Randle slowing down next season, you know, unless he has a, another catastrophic year like he did in the 2021-2022 season. So, I mean, is there maybe some optimism within the Knicks that they say that this is the summer they actually can move Julius Randle so they can open up that spot 
for uh for uh for what's the name for Obi Toppin to get time. I think that's maybe something to maybe keep an eye on because uh, the fact that that caveat was even thrown in there, it, it didn't make sense on the surface because I'm like he's not getting more time and more minutes. So uh, that means he's gonna demand a trade. He's gonna sit out. Like what what does that mean? So I think that was one thing that, that took away I thought was uh, noteworthy. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, make no mistake about it, and we've talked about it. It's a nightmare situation for Obi Toppin since the day he was yeah. drafted. It's since the day he arrived, the Knicks never, uh, you know, expected Julius Randle off a decent first season in New York to develop into an All NBA player. They just didn't foresee it. Um, yeah, he was drafted to be Julius Randle's replacement, no question. A hundred percent, you know, or maybe play alongside it. Tibbs didn't feel that that's an option. I still obviously would like to see some minutes. Maybe that's what they were looting at. Maybe Randall right. switches, plays some small ball five or Obi plays some small ball five and they kind of work together in, in some way, shape or form. I, again, that's something I would at least experiment if I was if I was Tibbs, um, because you get into a situation in the playoffs where you, the spacing's limited, where your offense stalls out. In the Miami series, you have this other kind of uh, hybrid offense you can run, it, you know, it, to, to, to potentially counteract that. Um, so, you know, maybe that's a potential situation. But I totally understand where Obi's coming from, and it makes sense that his camp, if not necessarily, you know, the, the CAA part, his trainer, right. his, right. His, you know, yeah. his, his brother, his, his friend that, uh, you know, works for the Warriors, that trains the guy he trains with, leaks. you know, there's ways to get out there that you're unhappy. And he should be unhappy because he's an ex- exceptionally talented basketball player, the the national player of the year, a top eight pick. Some said he could have went as high as five in his draft. Um, yeah. When he's played, as you noted, the last five games of last season, guy averages 25, eight and seven and shoots a high percentage. I mean, there's every reason to believe he should want more minutes um, and he deserves more minutes. The reality is that it's just not feasible in New York, especially under a head coach who's not comfortable playing him alongside Tibbs and and and, and Obi, which makes sense on the surface. They're both, uh, you know, uh, underwhelming defensive players. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to uh, experiment with it here or there. Um, but again, you know, it, that's just the reality of the business. But uh, the bigger picture is just because a player is unhappy doesn't mean you give talent, you give away a valuable asset. You 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 exhaust that, that you, you know, yeah. that asset. And again, I think you made a good point. The fact that he wasn't traded at the deadline the uh, at the at the uh, yesterday, you know, prior to or during the draft. Right. The pace had like four picks there was talk you know yeah. he could go for late 20s um and, and again i would just remind people of one thing um Rui Hachimura has better career numbers th- than Obi Top and granted he has you know uh, a much he had he's played more minutes so you'd expect his counting stats to be higher the wizards had to settle for four second round draft picks when they traded him at the, the, at the right. deadline because a team trading for Obi Top and now you, you get at least one year you know, at the deadline, if the Knicks wait to trade him, then you then the then the team trading for him gets it could be what what is essentially a three month rental, and that's the situation that the Lakers are dealing with now. Um, when when Hachimura is a, a, going to be a restricted free agent, all signs indicate that they will really sign him. You have the guy's bird right, so you, if you if you make a trade for a guy, you're likely to commit to him. Um, but I think that's important for fans to recognize. Um, you know, to- Obi has kind of this cult following in New York. Um, and, and sometimes those guys that, that are backups, you know, the backup quarterback is always beloved because you haven't really seen a chance for him to not perform up the ex- expectations on a consistent level. Um, I think, uh, you know, t- t- fans may be surprised at how little they get back in a, in a, in a, ret- in, in return for Obi Toppin, which the Knicks surely know. 
and henceforth, the reason they're hesitant to trade them because you're not going to trade a devalued asset when potentially you could, if if uh, if Obi Toppin, uh, heaven forbid, Julius Randle suffers a, a knee injury or or you know we, yeah. we know about the ankle issue and he has to miss the first two months of the season, you don't want your season to be sunk before it starts, and having that insurance policy in Obi Toppin prevents that from being the case. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. By the way, card-carrying member of the Obi Topic <laughs> cult right here, EJ Stewart. Um... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and I actually think that the ankle thing is actually a very important. I know the Knicks are saying that, you know, they think Randall will be on time, ready to go for training camp and training during the summer. But you never know how these guys respond. And, you know, Randall has been, knock on wood, extremely durable for his time in New York. Like, all it takes is one, you know, God forbid we don't want it, but all it takes is one, you know, bad turn here or there. Maybe he's out two months and, you know, you traded Drew Obi Toppin. Now your backup four power forward is Josh Hart, and that's all you got. And he's not even real power forward. Like that doesn't really make sense for the Knicks to, to move in that option. So yeah, a lot of a lot of noise. And this is a time where you know I'm not at all suggesting that these reporters are trying to just write anything to get their quote or anything. But like you gotta put something out there. There's gotta be some news out there. And I think Obi Toppin's camp is well willing to acquiesce yep. to yep. giving them some smoke because of his. This pleasure, and I think one thing that I thought, well, last thing I want to say on this that I thought was noteworthy in this reporting I saw this week as well. And I want to say this was from Bondi, but uh, the concern, particularly with Toppin, that he's been used as just a three point shooter. Um, that I think also was noteworthy because that is not what Obi Toppin's game was coming out of college. He was seen as a pick and roll rim runner kind of guy. And Tibbs is essentially, as we kind of noted all season, just throw him in the corner and treat him like Steve Novak. I, I, and I've written about this. Obi Toppin led the nation in dunks. His, yeah. his, his at, at Dayton the year before he he, he declared. Um, I think he was top three in points in the paint, very high percentage. So uh, he was the focal point of, of. He was kind of the Julius Randle of Dayton, and for him to be yeah. you know misutilized uh, as a as a corner three point shooter is is again another thing that Obi Toppin has a right to be upset about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, he had similar comparisons to an Amari Stoudemire coming out of college, and you know, last I checked, you didn't see Stat standing out in the corner or launching threes when he was here in New York playing in Phoenix. So, um, definitely a misusing of Obi Toppin for most of his career. I did think you mentioned this being a uh, nightmare scenario for Obi. Uh, I that Fred Katz article, he asked some GMs and some front office people, "What is the market Obi Toppin on an extension?" He was saying. Something like along the lines, maybe what Brandon Clark got from the Memphis Grizzlies, which is like four year, fifty million. Um, the highest anyone was willing to go for the people he talked to was like four years, sixty million. 
Um, one person went as low as four four years, twenty million. So like, I mean, that's a nightmare scenario for a guy who's number eight pick. Like you drafted in in, in the mid lottery, you're thinking, okay, I'm gonna cash in on this first extension on this first contract. Um, and you're talking about Brandon Clark being the the, the ceiling for your for your uh, value on a, on an open market or an extension. That's got to be uh, bad news for Obi Top. Uh, at, yeah. at, at the same time, there are other mid lottery picks who are flamed out and never get offered a second. Yeah, they don't get even get that right. That you is know, true. Cam Reddish was ninth, ninth overall pick, tenth overall pick. You know, like these guys, he's a restricted free agent. He's not going to get anywhere near that money. Nope. And again, I'm not saying that this is the case for Obi, but the Knicks would, you know, if the Knicks to play the devil's advocate, there's a there's a world in which Obi plays Kevin Knox minutes. And is woefully inefficient, and you know his yeah. defensive flaws get exposed. And he's viewed as a guy that's a you know can come off the bench and provide some sparks, and is a great dunker and an athlete and a good teammate and all that other stuff. But you know, you know, ten million dollars a year for a guy like that is is not crazy. Um, again, you know, we, the, the Kevin Knox example. Um, you know, he's he's got to settle for minimum contracts. He's gonna you know he's a free agent that nobody's knocking down the door to get. Um, so those are the kind of things that that that, that the Knicks. So I would be. I think it'll be fascinating to see if the Knicks. First of all, um, just a reminder as far as Obi's concerned. He doesn't have to sign the extension until the day before the start of the regular season. So, yep. and the Knicks have no reason to kind of you know rush this thing. They're obviously going to see how free agency plays out. They obviously, yep. if someone calls about Julius Randle, they'll listen. Um, I think they should be making calls. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, uh, but all that, all those things are, will all be take place. They'll, they'll bring him into training camp. You'll get to see. You know, maybe Randle is is you know you see well ah. Uh, you, you start to get word that he's going to sit out the first week of training camp, miss it, you know, then the kind of the red flags go up, you know, OB's value increases. Um, but I will be fascinated to see because the Knicks will make an offer at some point, assuming they don't trade him, um, a best and final offer uh, on that day before, you know, maybe 1150 the day before the, the start of the season. And will it be, um, you know, four years, 40 million? Will it be four years, 52 million? If it's, if it, their best offer is, let's say, you know, 50 million. So he's at, 11 12 you know average annual value of around uh, 11 million a year 12 million per year does ob accept that um you know there's again there's the, there's the i would think he'd probably reject it because i think worst case scenario he would feel he'd be able to get that in restricted free agency but again you're that's right. another year out um you know a, a, an injury ob's not the young he came into the league at 22 23 um yeah. so there's there's uh some some issues there but i i wouldn't be shocked again i, I wouldn't be shocked that there's close relationships CAA, all that stuff um, I wouldn't be shocked if they end up agreeing to a, an extension um, that's a little bit less than, you know, Obi probably would like, and maybe a little bit more than than he's proven he's worth, but other teams might feel that he's worth. Um, uh, one other reason the Knicks would be motivated to make such a deal, to, to agree to such a contract, is those mid-tier contracts, those 11 million, 9 million, 13 million, those contracts, um, and we'll talk about this for the rest of the summer into next season, are going to have um, more value than they did in the past because those tradable pieces under the new CBA um, yep. are going to take on added value because it's going to be difficult to find those, those, those. A lot of contracts, the high end, a lot of contracts, you know, at, at the bet minimum, you know, what the Suns are going to have to sign, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but having those guys in the middle um, are, are good trade pieces to have. So that may be another reason why the Knicks um, would be uh, willing to, uh, to, to an extend, uh, sign an extension for a guy that's only going to play, you know, 15 minutes a night off the bench. Yeah. Obi Toppin situation will be something to follow this summer. Definitely feels like Obi Toppin may be becoming the main character of the Knicks offseason so far. At least he is uh, at the start of this offseason. So speaking of that, the Knicks saw their name floated around with several star wings leading up to last night's 
uh, Thursday night's draft. SNY's Ian Bagley said the Knicks had discussions with Clippers, uh, uh, all about Clippers All Star Paul George. The LA Times reports the Knicks initiated those discussions, but reportedly became hesitant after having some internal discussions. The Knicks believe George could be looking for a contract extension. Um, he has 45 million coming his way next season at player option for 48.8 million the year after that. So that could have led to some of those uh, hesitance, uh, the, some of that hesitancy coming from the Knicks regarding a, a Paul George trade. Um, Stephen Bondi said that his source said there was nothing to that deal. Uh, Bailey says he thinks that the teams will revisit it. So Paul George, a player that I talked about a bunch, apparently some of the Knicks at least expressed interest in. Meanwhile, an interesting note came down on the Zach Levine watch. According to uh, the New York Daily News, uh, Stephen Bondi, Zach Levine's camp is against a trade to the Knicks. Sources telling Bondi that the Knicks, uh, their their perceived preference for CAA clients is, been, is the main reason why Zach Levine's camp does not want to see Levine traded to the Knicks. Uh, Bagley also noted that there would be some hurdles uh, for a Zach Levine deal that makes that situation unlikely. Levine is set to make $180 million over the next four seasons. And finally, Dante DiVincenzo is reportedly a name to watch in free agency for the Knicks. Bagley said the team is interested in the form of Villanova Wildcat. He'll be another Villanova Wildcat potentially on this team. Uh, Nick used a $12 million mid-level exception to bring him in. He shot a career best 39.7% from three while playing for the Warriors this season. So starting with the Paul George news that came out um, this week, would a Paul George trade in your mind, Tommy, makes sense? I know I've talked about the Paul George stuff for uh, months now, so people know where I stand. But where do you stand now that the Knicks apparently did express interest in PG? Yeah, I'm a big Paul George fan. I'm with you on that, um, on the belief that he would be an ideal addition to the Knicks. Um, assuming they're going to send out RJ, I, I, my assumption would be RJ would kind of be the centerpiece of that package. Um, as a, you know, it's probably either RJ or Randall. Um, uh, the Randall might make a little more sense for the Clippers if they want to compete now and they have Kawhi right. and small forward. But um, RJ and you know they're, they're both versatile wings, RJ and Kawhi. So they much like George and, and Kawhi, um, they they could both and uh, they could both coexist certainly. Um, but as far as Paul George as a, as a alongside in in unison with Jalen Brunson at point guard and Julius Randall at power forward, I think it's just a perfect fit. Um, a lot of the stuff we've talked about, kind of the two biggest needs coming this offseason, a lot of fans talk about um, uh, three-point shooting, and yes, that's a that, that's something that the Knicks have to focus on, but they also need to improve defensively. They were 19th uh, in defensive efficiency last season. Pulled, there aren't many guys in the league that check both of those boxes, elite three and D wings. That's something that Paul George does. Um, I wrote about it earlier the, earlier this week. There's only four players over the last six seasons to make more three-pointers than Paul George. It's Dame, James Harden, Buddy Heald, and Steph Curry. I think about um, the game, all the games he's missed in the last four or five years is still be on that list. Exactly. Because he shoots 39%. He's one of the more efficient, high-volume three-point. Of those four guys, only two have a higher three-point percentage. Um, he's a high-volume, efficient three-point shooter, which is very rare. And, of course, he's a, a very good defender. Was a great defender. Four-time All-NBA defender. Um, yep. You know, in his late 20s, early 30s. 33 now. Obviously, you have to address the, the fact that he's um, averaged around 40 games per season last four seasons. Is it a roll of the dice? Is it a risk? Absolutely. Uh, is it one worth taking? Yes, um, in my opinion. 
again, we have this this kind of weird two-year window where you have uh, Jalen Brunson signed to that really team-friendly contract. Um, he's going to be outside of the top 50 players, uh, top 50 highest-paid players. Um, and it's something we've talked about. Kind of, it's, it's almost like having that quarterback on a rookie contract where, yeah. where a, a GM, a front office, is motivated to kind of push their chips into the middle of the table, um, maybe a little bit quicker than they normally would because they have this kind of time constraint uh, when they have this valuable contract. So for those reasons, um, I understand the reasons against, and obviously it's going to depend on the package. If the, if the Clippers want RJ – NIQ and Grimes and two, three first rounders, you walk away and say, thank you, right. uh, but, but that's too much. But um, if it's RJ, um, uh, two first rounders, uh, Fournier's contract, and then maybe one of IQ and or Grimes, that's when you start to have consider real conversations um, uh, about whether it makes sense. Uh, but, but yes, I, I'm exhausting all possibilities and I'm, I'm finding out definitively what the best offer the Clippers will accept is because there aren't many guys that I'd push the chips in. We'll talk about Levine. I'm a, I'm a pass on him. Carl Anthony Towns. No, thank you. Yep. Um, uh, uh, George is, is one, his contract's a little bit more palatable. He's making 42.5 next year, but then he has a player option for 48. Um, that complicates things a little bit, but it also kind of works in your favor because you're not locked into those, those, those years. If, yeah. if, if Paul George chooses to opt out after the season, that tells me that he's had a good season and he's had a healthy right. season or otherwise he he's going to or otherwise he's going to opt into that $48 million right. contract because he's probably not going to get $40 million on the open market yeah. um, unless he's proven that he's healthy and still productive, et cetera. So um, there are reasons for, reasons against. I am in your camp. Um, PJ, uh, PG-13 is one of the guys that I would be, uh, I'd be willing to go. Not all in for, but a lot in, let's just say that. Yeah, to quote, uh, to quote Thanos, the Mad Titan, they call me a madman. Um, it's crazy how the turnaround came with this Paul George news happening. Now, the this note about the Knicks potentially being concerned about his contract, I think is not smart by the Knicks because I think his contract is actually a strength, not a weakness. Because as you noted, if you're talking about some of these other guys, Zach Levine, Carl Anthony Towns, you are locked into extreme super max money for guys who also have injury yes. concerns. Yes. They may be younger in the prime of their career, but these guys will have injury concerns. And there is no backing out. There is no, well, maybe after a year we could just cut bait. Like, once you got these guys, they're yours. And they're yours at a premium, premium price. Paul George is not making $50 million, And you have money under control for one year, and then maybe a second year. If the first year doesn't work out, he opts in. Think about what happened with Philly and what's going on right now with James Harden. Like, Harden came in. That first year didn't really go all that great. And he looked at the free agent market and said, you know what? I'm just going to opt in. I'll let them sign P.J. Tucker to make this team better. And that will actually make me better as a player. And I'll go have a better year next season. And then guess what? He went and had a better season this year in Philly to now where he can say, okay, I think I am going to now test this free agency and make Philly give me money or I'm going to go to Houston. Like, I don't think that that's a bad scenario for Knicks if that happens. Like, to me, like, that's the case. Then, all right, then you sign Paul George for – Hopefully you don't try to give him five years, or whatever. Hopefully you sign right. maybe a three-year deal and see if it's a reasonable contract. And if you just can't sign him, then you just can't sign him. Okay, you can't sign him for 50, 60 million. That's fine. But like the Knicks are in a scenario right now, you have to maximize this timeline of Jalen Brunson being on this team-friendly contract. Like it, he's getting paid like a 
middle of the road point guard, really, if you think about it. And he's clearly much more than that. So if you're going to be able to do that, taking in some salary in the short term is not that scary. That's why the Porzingis thing for some Knicks fans made sense because it was like, okay, he's the highest player on the team, but like we got other guys who are underpaid. So Paul George brings exactly what the Knicks need. Three-point shooting, a secondary a shot creator, a guy who could defend multiple positions, and I think a guy who has matured a lot over the course of his 12 years of his career. I know he's had issues regarding playing in the playoffs. He makes some weirdo comments at times. But I think the Paulgers I've seen since he got to the Clippers and some of the um, honesty he's had about his career, I think has actually made me feel like he's a player that actually knows kind of how to keep himself at then I may not an elite level, but at a star level as he enters the twilight of his career. I think he's an absolute perfect fit for the Knicks. And I hope that the contract doesn't scare him too much. Now, again, I'm not trading the farm for him, but I don't think he should have to. He's only got, you only got one year left under control. That's why I thought he was a perfect guy to target. Cause it's like, you can't offer me the farm. If I only got a guy for one year, potentially that like, I think that in some ways this makes perfect sense. If the Clippers are willing to uh, blow it up over there. The uh, two things. Um, if you, uh, if you sign, uh, if you get, Paul George in-house. And even if he leaves, there's still sign and trade possibilities that you could right. work out. Right, exactly. That could potentially benefit you down the road. The other thing about the, the Harden deal, even though it looks bad for the Sixers now, they also got out from under Ben Simmons' contract uh, right. as, as part of that deal. Now, I'm not certainly not going to say RJ will ever be in the same camp as Ben Simmons, right. where it's a completely negative value contract. But the Knicks have to ask themselves, are we selling high on RJ Barrett coming off the best postseason performance of his career, the best kind of two week stretch of his career, um, poor regular season underperforming uh, relative to expectations and then exceeding expectations in the playoffs. That's something that Leon Rose and, and, and camp would have to, would have to ask themselves. Um, I guess I, I'll phrase it to you like this Clippers say um, we want RJ IQ and two first rounders only lightly protected um what do you say are you willing to to to, to go to, to swing for the fences in that deal if i can get those picks protected i'm doing it yeah that's me yeah if i can get those picks and iq <clears throat> i would probably say can i give you grimes instead of iq and see what they say that's my counter I, i'd rather have grimes actually I, I, I just because you have one, for one more year of control, I guess the other question the Knicks are going to have to ask themselves and we'll like talk about on the spot. Are you IQ says I want uh, four years, eighty five million dollars. Yeah, that's another contract that that becomes the second conversation. What is IQ asking for? I, I mean, eighty five. I, I, I would sign him on that. I think I would, too. Eighty yeah. uh, seventy five is what I'm going to offer. I'll sell. Yeah. You know, I, I meet in the middle at eighty. You know, twenty million dollars a year. If he comes back and says no, I want a hundred, then you really got. That's where you. Get, that's where you really got. to I still think I'm. I, I don't know. You got. You got to figure it all out. But I will say the mag, the Malcolm Brogdon trade falling through for the Clippers, I thought increased the odds of the Knicks. Knicks getting Paul George. Because because obviously IQ and Brogdon, as we talked about for two months, are very similar players in a lot of respects. Yeah. Um, so I if the if the if the Clippers weren't in it were interested that much in Brogdon, um, you would think they'd they'd have interest in a similar play. The one thing and I'll they say just lost, and they just lost out uh they just lost out on the Chris Paul sweepstakes as well. Yep. 
Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I will say about uh, they want to bring Russ back. Um, uh, for those yeah. that hadn't heard, they they're they're what they want to do is bring Russ back at the vet minimum, and then re- they'll have his bird rights the following summer, and then kind of a, have a wink, wink, handshake deal. Um, I don't know how Russ feels about that, but he obviously he's an LA kid, would like to stay there. Um, uh, the one thing that did that did worry me about the Paul George scenario, um, and I think this was an LA Times writer that reported it was the Knicks were a little bit freaked out, not by the money he has left on his book, so the one year and then the then the player option. It's that whatever team trades for him, he, he wants to sign an extension before right. this current player option. So right. he can sign a contract up to $200 million for four years. That's when things get tricky. That's when you start. Yeah. Um, if, 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 his, if his, you know, demands are that if you trade for me, I'm, you know, don't trade for me unless you're willing to sign me to an extension where you're going to pay me $50 million when I'm 37. That's something that, 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 that would give me great pause if I was, if I was. In yeah, that would, that would concern me, but I would then just do the trade. I wouldn't care. I'd be like, right. look, the Clippers, the Clippers ain't giving you this extension. So right. Wh- right. wherever you play, <laughs> you're not getting that money. So uh, tough luck, kid. Like put on that orange or blue and let's go. So that, that but I agree. I, I think that that would be one thing that would concern me. Uh, the Levine stuff, not wanting to be a Nick. Is there any concern about like, I, I'm, I have no problem with this. I, I don't want him to be a Nick. I think a lot of people don't want to be a Nick, but is there some concern about like the CAA thing being a thing? Like we know, and I've said this and I think people will keep forgetting this, like Leon Rose cut sports beef that has been going on now for like 10 years that, you know, doesn't really get talked about, but I think probably should get talked about more. And now you've had issues with a former Nick Nerland as well suing CA uh, Cut Sports. Yeah, uh, the whole Cam Reddish thing from last year, and now you got a, a big time Cut Sports client saying, "Well, uh, how they treat CAA clients? I don't think I want to go there because they seem to have the preferential treatment." Is there any concern about that? I will just say this. If if Zach Levine played for the Knicks, those those checks would cash with Joel, with James Dolan's signature on it. Whether it's the Bulls owners, you know, like that money's you know as long as that money gets deposited, I, I think there's a little bit too much made out of it. I think this in particular is a case of, um, you know, you're in high school and you want to talk to the pretty girl in class and you find out from her best friend that like don't even bother asking out. She has no interest in you. So you tell your friends like nah, like she's she uh, she's not that cute anyway, you know. Like, I'm not really that interested. That that's the sense I get was there was vibes that the Knicks weren't, you know, like I tweeted like sources, the Knicks are the Knicks camp are interested uh, against uh, are not interested in uh, the 180 million dollars left on his contract, you know, as yeah. opposed to the, the, the you know Levine camp is not interested in playing for CAA. Um, <laughs> is there is there some bad blood there? It certainly seems that way. Um, could it potentially make a difference at some point down the road? I guess so. Um, but if we're weighing all the pros and cons of having Leon Rose, his relationship with other players and other executives, that's a that's a big time pro. Um, he may have a, a you know, a, a, there's, a, there's a little everybody has, you know, you know, issues. You, you're around the business yeah. going up. You're going to rub people the wrong way. Um, but, you know, Clutch Sports has some big clients, you know, De'Aaron Fox and, and some others. But it's Trade not on, like. Yeah. yeah but, it, you know, it, it, there's 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 certainly enough fish in the pond. And I'd rather have CAA's basket of players, um, you know, a, 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 you know, if if. If C- being with CAA prevents the Knicks from getting Zach Levine, but it got them Jalen Brunson at a discount, right. uh, you, you, you take what uh, you know. You, you'll settle for that. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I think I think they'll be fine considering the 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 large pool of players that are out there that aren't clutch sports. Um, I hope that it's not a scenario where a clutch sports guy that would make sense for the Knicks can't come to the Knicks because of the situation. But um, but it was something I think that I, I did keep an eye on. I said, oh, that's uh, interesting there. Hopefully that doesn't continue to be an issue moving forward. Um, I think Dante DiVincenzo will be a good fit though. I mean, I, I think that if you're looking at his mid level exception, we're talking about guys. Maybe not the lights out shooter per se that I think the Knicks I would want for the Knicks. You know, he shot great last season. That you get a lot of good looks playing with the Warriors. So I I were I wonder if he can continue to shoot that. But I do think he kind of fits. Um, like we talked about how much we like Alex Caruso potentially as a Nick. Like I think he kind of could fit that role a little bit. He's a really tough, hard nosed kind of player uh, who can hit the open three. So I wouldn't mind it. I think I'd prefer someone more like Seth Curry. But uh, how do you feel about Divincenzo potentially coming here? Yeah, I got to dig into, um, and, and I'll probably do it next week and, and talk about like their their prime free agent targets because you know the Knicks have the, their mid level exception. They also have the biannual. Um, yeah. So there's like you know there and a lot of those players have been kind of bandied about um, guys that are willing to probably willing to fall into that ten to twelve to thirteen to nine to eight. Um, you know that that kind of area. Um, definitely, Divincenzo would be on the list of, of players that uh, that you'd be interested in. Um, there's the Villanova connection, which which let's not underestimate. Um, yeah. I, I thought you brought up a good point. He was a poor three point shooter in, in previous stints. Goes and plays alongside Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson, and all of a sudden he's a forty percent three point yeah. shooter. That would that would concern me. That that yes. I think you have to factor that into the conversation. Not saying that that would prevent me from making an offer. Um, I think you could do a lot worse. I think he will. The Knicks should they pursue Dante Divincenzo with their mid level will have plenty of uh, other competitors um, that yeah. will you know that that will be in the market uh, in the Divincenzo business. Um, but I, I you know all things considered, I, I think it probably makes a lot of sense. Um, but uh, you know we'll, we'll talk about it next week or, or me, you know maybe as we get closer to July first if that's the guy because again you only have you can only uh, use that that middle of exception on one player um, if that's the guy you want. Exactly. So it was a quiet night for the Knicks during the NBA draft on Thursday. The team came away uh, with no picks, uh, left with no picks. One move that did raise my eyebrows though was one of the undrafted free agents the Knicks signed, as Tommy mentioned earlier. In the show, Jacob Toppin, Kentucky forward, who is the younger brother of Obi Toppin, has signed a two-way deal with the team. He averaged 12.4 points a game and 6.8 rebounds for the Wildcats. The team also signed 19-year-old Jalen Martin from Overtime Elite to a two-way contract. Before playing for Overtime Elite, he actually played for former Knicks point guard Charlie Ward. He played at Florida State University High School in Tallahassee before playing for Overtime Elite. As far as the rest of the night goes, there were no other major fireworks during the draft. There was the Chris Paul trade that happened before the draft. That was kind of wild. Chris Paul going to the Warriors for Jordan Poole, a future first. Uh, Patrick Baldwin and, and Ryan Rollins also in that deal headed to Washington. The Spurs in the draft uh, took with the Wimanyama, 
Charlotte took Brandon Miller. Blazers took Scoot Henderson. So no surprises really in the top three. Some other trades of note during the night. Uh, Dallas traded Davies Pertons and the 10th pick that actually should have been the Knicks pick had they not tanked away at the end of the season. Uh, that ended up being Casey Wallace from Kentucky. They traded that to OKC for the 12th pick, who's Derek Lively the second. So he goes to Dallas. Then uh, they got busy later in the draft in the first round. They acquired Rashawn Holmes and the 24th pick, who they picked Omax Prosper uh, from Marquette from the Kings. The Kings trying to shift salary cap space. They now have created $30 million in cap space by making this trade. So Dallas got busy. We saw the Warriors make their moves. And then, um, again, not too much uh, surprises really in the top three. So on the, the Knicks front real quick, uh, disappointed by the Knicks not being more active? Uh, not really. I, I understand a lot of Knicks fans are frustrated by the inactivity. Um, but it's important to remember the Knicks didn't have a pick because they have Josh Hart. And they have Josh yeah. Hart's rights, and they're expected to resign him. There's not a player for outside, you know, the top of the lottery that I would prefer to, that that I would rather have on my team than Josh Hart, especially with the Knicks are in terms of ability to compete now and ability to compete compete in the future. What Josh Agreed. Hart brings on the court, uh, both ends of the floor, in the locker room, all that stuff. Um, so that it's important to remember in context. Um, Knicks will have uh, most likely two first rounders next year, their own and Dallas's, um, potentially some other Wizards, Detroit, most likely not to convey. Um, and they already have nine, 10, 11 guys set kind of in their ro- in, in their rotation without signing anybody else the mid-level. If they did draft somebody, where would they be? Again, that's not to say you, you, it always behooves a team to have young talent kind of in the pipeline. Um, and we'll see what the, the guys they signed via the two ways uh, turn out to be. Um, because the Knicks haven't made any draft picks the last two years, only Keels in the second round last year, these guys will get to see Keels and and and, and the two guys they signed um, to two ways this year um, uh, a, a lot in the summer league. Um, so, we'll, you know, they should get all the minutes and opportunity they can handle. Um, but again, you know, all things considered, I think the – I certainly um, think the Knicks made the right decision in trading their pick to the Blazers for hard. Yeah, I agree. I mean, maybe it made for a boring night right. of Knicks fans who enjoy the draft. Um, so that may be one thing that I could say, okay, I, I could agree with that. But in terms of did I really, really badly want them to come away with a player? I mean, not necessarily. I mean, there were some guys I mentioned in the second round that I thought could have made sense. Uh, they would have had to buy a second round pick in order to make that happen. Though, to be honest, like there really weren't as many trades in the second round than you're used to seeing. Like they, it all happened kind of earlier in the uh, in the night, and some of it happened before the draft even started. And then that was kind of it. Like after you got to the pick forty one, only one, tra- only two trades were made after pick forty um, in this draft. So it wasn't like teams were just selling off first round picks. They were all drafting guys that they're going to bring in and bring on to their roster next season. So. Um, the option, the opportunity to buy picks, I don't think necessarily was there unless you were buying on the more higher end. So they they come away with the two undrafted free agents, um, Jacob Toppin, an interesting uh pick because he's played in Kentucky. I think a lot of people have actually got to see Jacob Toppin play a little bit. He had his best season uh, so far at Kentucky this past year. Um, interesting player. He's he's uh, he's kind of like his brother, but like if you took away kind of like the offensive potential, like he's very much more of like a hustle. Um, like he uses athleticism. I feel like more as more of a hustle guy than necessarily an offensive spark plug, like over top of this. So if you're expecting, so we expect maybe a better rebound. I expect a guy who will defend multiple positions a lot better, um, but don't expect a guy who's going to shoot the way Obi does a guy who's going to finish of the efficiency that Obi does. Um, and then, and then the Martin uh, signing is kind of a, you know, a kind of a shot in the dark. 
the overtime elite thing is kind of hard to judge because considering the talent they're playing against, some of the kids they're playing against are 16, 17 years old. But the kid is athletic. The kid has a really good body. Um, he's played for an NBA coach, an NBA player before going to overtime elite and playing for other good coaching there. So um, I think he's a guy that's perfectly fine. To take a shot in dark and see what you got there. Apparently, Knicks were very excited by him during the uh, pre-draft process when they uh, worked him out. Marquise Noel was the one guy I was hoping the Knicks would sign. Mm, yeah. um, I just thought he'd be, you know, Mr. New York City, literally um, yeah. would have loved to have seen him, you know, get a, get a shot uh, in the summer league. And, you know, at the, at the end of the bench, um, I think Knicks fans would have fell in love with him. Um, but I was happy he winded up in a good spot with uh, Toronto, you know, kind of, uh, you know, follow that Fred Van Vliet, especially if they lose Fred Van Vliet. Uh, but follow that kind of path, bet on yourself. Um, I think a lot of uh, – I think – some teams are going to regret uh, passing up on them. Um, but it, just and, and talking about the draft at large, uh, you want to give us uh, one big winner, one big loser? Start off with that. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the winners. Well, I think the Rockets, I don't think there's any way they thought they came into the night thinking they will come away with uh, Amin Thompson and, uh, and uh, Cam Whitmore. Whitmore slid uh, way further than I think a lot of people expected. They thought a slide could happen, but falling to 20 was something that was a little surprising. Perhaps bad workouts, bad interviews uh, caused that. The athletic profile of that team continues to be impressive with the guys they have. Now it's about putting together um, a winning brand of basketball. And I think that Ime Odoka being these guys' head coach, I think is actually great for both Thompson and Whitmore. So they had a great night. Um, I thought the Jazz, if I had to give an A-plus to any team, they'd probably go to the Jazz, which pains me as much as I dislike Danny Ainge for all the crap he went through last year. How about that front court with Hendricks, Larry Marketing, and Walker Kessler? I mean, length, shooting, shot blocking. I mean, Hendricks, getting Hendricks at nine, uh, coup there. I think they got helped a little bit by a Bilal Kalobi going uh Kulabali going to seven. But uh man, front court looks really good. And then Keontae George, I think maybe the most underrated player in this draft. Um, he has a shot creation profile that is similar to me to Bradley Beal. And you get a guy like that at 16 for a team that needs shot creation. He'll come in and he'll be able to actually grow his game. He's not going to come in and be asked to stand in the corner immediately. This is a team that doesn't have a million shot creators, particularly in the backcourt. They just lost Mike Conley. So uh, the Jazz had a good night. I thought a lot, honestly, I thought a lot of the teams that had uh, multiple picks did well with multiple picks. I thought the Pacers um, did well with their multiple picks as well, getting Josh Walker starting up at eight. Um, the Magic were the one team that I kind of questioned. Uh, I, I like. Black, but they got to figure out what they're going to do the rest of their backcourt. Right. Jed Howard at 11 was a little interesting, considering Grady Dix was on the board, considering Hawkins was on the board, considering Keontae George was on the board. Um, Howard was a guy I liked more in the 20s, so to see him go that high was a little surprising to me. Um, do you like what the Nets did? Um, yes. I thought the Nets did well as well. I was going to say, I think they just had two picks as well. Uh, Noah Clowney, he, in some ways... And my brother mentioned, I agree, he kind of reminds me a bit of Nick Claxton, but I think Claxton could shoot threes. Uh, Clowney um, didn't shoot a great percentage, but there's some shot. There's things about his shot and, and the vibe he took them at that makes you think that he could turn into an NBA three-point shooter. So you combine that with uh, the size and the length that he has and the way his ability to finish around the basket, that was a pretty good pickup. I think he was also a guy that um, I thought was underrated, but then he went 21, so maybe he wasn't that underrated. <laughs> I think that's probably where I would have rated him, though. I saw some stuff happening later in the draft. And three Whitehead, uh, a guy who's, you know, from Jersey, so he gets to stay uh, closer to home. A guy who, at Duke, 
uh, was injured coming into his year at Duke, so didn't have necessarily the season I think people expected. He didn't show the athleticism that he showed in high school, but he actually came in uh, at Duke last year, shot the lights out. Um, he reminds me similar to a player like Harrison Barnes. So um, I thought that they did pretty well with those two picks. I would have maybe went with Murray ahead of Clowney. That may be the one where I say maybe, you know, because he was right there for them. But uh, but uh, not bad with those. Picks. I'm happy that Cam Whitmore went ahead of them, though. Like I was I was sitting there looking like, God, Cam Whitmore's going to go right to Brooklyn. And that's going to cause me headaches. But that did not happen. So that was good, at least. But I thought that's did pretty well. I was upset that the Heat got my guy, Hami Hakez, uh, at, yeah. at UCLA. Um, just a perfect fit, I, I think, for them. Um, and I think they're going to be really happy they did. Um, do you like the Hornets taking Miller and then getting his buddy, uh, Nick Harris, late in the first round? Yeah. Uh, Miller, I would have took Scoot Anderson. So I can't say I like it. Uh, Miller is a good player. I mean, Miller's number three on my board. So it wasn't like it was a terrible pick. Um, right. I think Scoot Henderson has... I think in the league of guards, Scoot Henderson has a chance to be more dynamic than Miller, even though Miller may be the safer bet. So I would win Scoot Henderson, but I, I get that. Um, getting uh, Nick Smith Jr., I'm not crazy about him. So he actually went kind of where I thought he should go. Like he was a guy I talked about in the lottery. Um, he had injury issues at Arkansas, uh, lack explosion at Arkansas. So uh, getting him later in the first round, that's a decent swing. I do wonder about the makeup of like the locker room over there. A lot of uh, questionable guys over there. I, I'm curious to see how they're going to figure that out um, uh, with, with so, so many young players on that team. All righty. It's, uh, it's and else? one of my favorite picks, one of my favorite picks before we leave, um, I thought the Nuggets getting Julian Strother, my Gonzaga guy, 29, was excellent. Uh, okay. Strother is a lethal shooter, great movement out the ball. Like envisioning him getting open threes from Jokic passes and Murray passes was very easy in my head when I saw that pick go down. Um, Strauss is a player I think that needs to go to a perfect fit. I, he found a perfect fit in the Nuggets. So that was one of my favorite picks of the night. Playing alongside Jokic is uh, usually good business for anybody that plays that. <laughs> exactly. But well, that's going to do it for this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks uh, podcast and Odyssey WFA, an original podcast you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes. Every time we drop, we drop twice a week, so we'll be back next week with more episodes. You can also catch us on YouTube. Um, we're on the Odyssey Sports and WFN channel. Check us out. Subscribe to both of those. Tommy, let's keep it where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, acting EJ on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you guys again so much for checking us out. For Tommy, I'm EJ. Thank you, these guys. Peace.